Today's talk is called Infinite Field because really that's, that's how we exist. That's where we exist, right? In this infinite field of possibilities. You know, I, I really, I think we were born on purpose. We are born on purpose and we're born with talents and abilities and ways to fulfill our purpose, right? Ways to fulfill the purposes, whatever they are. And, you know, they change over the course of a lifetime. But whatever it is that is our purpose at the moment, we know that we have the talents and the abilities to fulfill that purpose. Because I'm not saying that we're born for like one thing and one thing only. And then, because what happens after you achieve that, right? You're just going to like kind of just slide for the rest of your life? No, of course not. You have new goals. You set new, new um, goals for yourself, new reasons for living, new things to achieve. So the purposes will change throughout your lifetime. But those purposes always have ways to fulfill themselves through us, through our talents, and through our abilities, even as those purposes change. You know, I was thinking about it when, you know, remember when you were a little kid, right? The sky is the limit. Well, actually, that's not even a right, that's not even a right saying, because there is no limit. The sky's the limit. Nah, the sky's not even the limit, right? We could do anything when we were little kids. Ask a little kid, what do they want to be when they grow up, you know? And it's just like, the world of possibilities is just open in a child's mind. They're going to be astronauts or somebody's going to be a ballerina. Somebody's going to be a firefighter. Somebody's going to be a rock star, right? We have all of these ideas of what we're going to do when we're kids. And, and anything and everything is possible for us. Um, uh, Walt Disney said, if you can dream it, you can do it. Right? And isn't that the way you felt when you were a child, right? If you could think it up, oh my gosh, we could, we could absolutely do it. John Burroughs said, if you think you can do it, you can. What a wonderful expression. And, and of course, Dizzy Dean said, it ain't bragging if you can do it. <laughs> I love that, you know? And, and that's who we are as children, isn't it? We can do anything, you know, whatever we can think of, whatever we can dream of, we absolutely can do it. And it's not until we begin to grow up does the voice of the world close that down for us, right? Sometimes we can trace the events to a particular person or to a, or to a traumatic event or, or to a series of, of reinforcing statements that are the catalyst for us to close down our lives of infinite possibilities to something else, right? Sometimes it can be a traumatic event. Sometimes it can just be like a series of almost, you know, these, these small, almost imperceptible judgments that are made on us that will that will change how we view ourselves and how, what we believe about ourselves, what we believe to be true about ourselves. And, and really, it's not. And you know, sometimes it's not, it doesn't even come from the outside. Sometimes it comes from ourselves. Sometimes we are the ones that begin to close down our own ideas of what is possible for ourselves. You know, I, I, <laughs> I remember when I was in high school, uh, chemistry. Blah. 
Okay. It was like, I know, I just couldn't do it. I just couldn't do it. And that didn't come from the outside. That didn't come from my parents. It didn't come from the teachers. didn't come from anybody but me. And I thought, ugh, chemistry. I can't do chemistry. I just couldn't do the, the whole electric thing, you know? For some reason, I just couldn't get it. The balancing the equations, the protons and the positive charges and the electrons and the negative charges and the neutrons. You know the joke, right? The neutron walks into a bar, says to the bartender, how much for a beer? And the bartender says, for you, no charge. Ha ha. But I'm bump, right? Anyway, I couldn't get it. I couldn't get it. Right? I just, you know, the whole balancing equations and electricity in chemistry, I don't know. And, and so I took the class, I got out as quickly as I could, and I thought, phew, I'm never going to do that again. Right? I'm never going to go into chemistry again. I'm going to do something else that doesn't require any understanding of electricity whatsoever. So I majored in biology in college, and guess what? Yeah. Yeah, right? Our whole body is based on electrical charges. Everything that our bodies do is based on electrical charges. Every time that gases pass through our lungs, it's electrical charges. Every time enzymes go in and out of the body, it's electrical charges. Every single thing that our bodies do are based on electrical charges. So, ha, how about that? That was a big surprise when I got to college. And here's what happened. I had to have a new thought about balancing, you know, chemical equations. I had to take on a new thought about my relationship to understanding electricity and chemistry. And so I did the steps, right, that we teach here in religious science, I did those steps without realizing it, without knowing it, because it was years before I read the science of my textbook, but I did the steps intuitively. I was changing my thinking and changing my life around this particular situation so that I could succeed, right? That's exactly what happened. And Ernest Holmes said this, there is one life, that life is God, That life is our life now. Consciously, we identify ourselves with it. Definitely, we affirm the one presence and the one power operating in and around and through us. Anything that denies the supremacy of good is itself but a mistake in judgment. As we come to open up our thought to a greater acknowledgement and acceptance of the divinity that resides within us, we find ourselves on a pathway to achieving the purpose for which we were created. To express the nature of the divine, the source of our being. So we are here to open ourselves up to a greater experience of living, to to an absolute a total experience of everything that life has to offer. Meanwhile, the voice of the world is trying to close that down. Well, it's not even trying it on purpose. It's just doing it to keep us safe, to keep us small, to keep us, you know, secure. So we come into the world knowing, we know on some intuitive level that we can do anything. And then life can either enhance that belief or it can try to smother it, right? That's really what what goes on. Something happens to us 
that causes us to form an opinion about our ability or our inability to do something. We're told maybe by a parent, you know, oh, I was terrible at math and you're so much like me, you're going to be bad at math too, you know, and we'll take that on as, as a, a truth when it really isn't. It's just, you know, we, we, we start moving from infinite possibilities to limited options based on what someone else says. And, you know, I liken it to the, to the quantum field, right? Like quantum, quantum mechanics, where they say that as we gaze at one thing, right, the potential, the, the wave function will collapse into a particle that we get to observe, right? So when we put our attention on something, the whole infinite field collapses into that, into that particle. And after a while, we will not even see the options anymore that we don't think we can have, right? They won't even pass our consciousness because we've already ruled them out as a possibility in our lives. We eliminate them from our observation. And sometimes all it takes is an embarrassing situation when we're a child or a hurtful statement, and we make that event mean something about ourselves, and it changes what we think is possible for us, right? It closes us down in that particular area. And as children, we go from to infinity and beyond to keep your feet on the ground and be realistic. And it changes what we believe we can do. And after a while, we can't even see anything that lies outside of this self-imposed limitation. Our infinite field, our infinite field of possibilities becomes a little tiny patch of dirt that we can stand on. That's it. And we start to believe all kinds of things. I'm, I'm not lovable. I'm not important. I can't do chemistry. <laughs> I'm never taken seriously. I'm not good enough. Fill in the blanks. What were the messages that you escaped childhood thinking? You know, and even when we are faced with Proof that we do matter. Proof that we are loved. We can't see it. We just refuse to see it because it no longer fits the narrative that we have created for our lives. Right? We have that story that we keep forming. And when the story says, I'm not loved, I'm unloved, I'm unlovable, then even when we are shown unconditional love, we can't see it because it no longer fits the narrative that we have in our heads and we, and we know that our narrative is true, right? We, we, we must believe that our narrative about ourselves is true so we can't see anything that would uh, uh, be opposite of that narrative. When in reality, right, 
the hurtful thing or the embarrassing situation or the little nagging, little negative comments about you, all of those things really meant something about the person who said them or the person who did them, the person who made the statement or did the action to begin with. It was never about you to begin with. It was always about the person who did the action or made the statement. And you know, I'm of the opinion that people mostly do what they can with the tools that they've been given. And for many people, that may not be much, right? That may not be many tools. And so I don't think people are maliciously mean to their children or to their relatives. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that, that each one of us probably used the tools that we were given. And, and, in, and in a lot of people's lives, that was not a lot. That was not a, a big resource. We, didn't, we weren't given a big belt. What was that old, what is that old expression, you know, when, when all you have is a hammer, the whole world looks like a nail, right? Because a lot of times our parents didn't have the tools, didn't have the, the parental training, didn't have the Dr. Spock books or whatever it was, right? A creative training or anything like that. Um, so, so I really do believe that most of us are doing the best we can. And people treat us the way they were treated. I really think that that's probably most of it. People treat us the way they were treated. And, you know, and sometimes that, that wasn't very positive. Maybe it wasn't as positive as, as what we would have desired. But... The good news is always, history is not destiny, right? History is not destiny. How you were treated as a child, what messages you had as a child, what you received that may have colored your view of what's possible is not carved in granite. We have free will. We can change. We can change our thinking and change our life. That is what the science of mind and spirit is all about. We get to question that thought. We get to question what we think. We get to change what we think and change what we do as a result of that change of thought. Right? Change your thinking, change your life. That's what Dr. Ernest Holmes said. Change your thinking, change your life. And as we do, drop by drop, like he said, maybe the, the muddy water in the beak, beaker that we are becomes clearer and clearer, thought by thought, change by change, until we are those crystal clear vessels through which spirit can flow in and through and around us and change the conditions of our lives. We become more self-actualized. We become spirit 2.0. We become that higher expression of spirit as us because we come to believe the truth about who and what we are, that we are spirit incarnate, that we are spirit having an expression, having a life, living a life, and we have within us all of those qualities of God to demonstrate around us to improve things. Ernest Holmes, in The Practical Application of Science of Mind, wrote this. Our every thought is creative. In our experience... Through the creative action of the law of mind upon it, so in changing our pattern of 
thought, we do not change the nature of the law, but we provide it with a new plan of action. And regardless of what the experience may have been, our new thought pattern is what counts now. We're not fighting anything, no belief in a devil or in evil or in limitation. We are merely using our God-given right to choose the way we desire to think. And through the normal, natural, creative action of the thought, it becomes manifest as our tangible experience. Very simple. We do not change the nature of God by thinking differently. We do not change the laws of spirit or the natural laws of the physical world. We can't pray a river to, to flow in the opposite direction. We can't pray to suspend the law of gravity, right? But when we align with the laws of spirit, with the, with the natural law and the physical law and the spiritual law, when we align with it, we allow it to flow through us, through us and into a new way of living and into a new thought of being in the world. We go back to the beginning, really. We go back to the thinking that we had as a child. And I think that's why they keep saying that in the Bible, right? We have to be as a child before we can enter the kingdom of heaven. Well, of course, of course. We have to give up the, the false ideas that were laid upon us by the world. We have to reject the voice of the world for the voice of truth. And the voice of truth is that infinite potential that lies within us. Right? When, the, when the wave function collapsed and became an event. When we, when we heard something or experienced something, and then we created meaning by it. And that meaning limited us, and it limited our potential. It limited our, our possibilities. We have to take that moment back in our minds and realize it was not about us. It never was. It was about them. It was about the speaker, right? It was about someone else. And we let that moment expand out before us. And we get to see it. We get to stand in the gap. We get to view our lives as that limitless possibility. So, so the wave function does not collapse, and we can have a new thought right there, right? You don't have to believe every thought you think, right? You know that. <laughs> you just really don't. So when we get to that place in our mind where so-and-so said this and I came to believe that as a result, right there, we interrupt the circuitry. Right there, right at that moment, we are in a state of pure potential. Right there. We're at a, we're at a point of infinite possibilities. And we get to choose again. Right there in our infinite field, right there, we get to rewrite our narrative. Right there in that infinite field, we get to choose again. We get to make new meaning of the words we heard, of the events that happened to us. We get to contemplate maybe 
maybe a new meaning grows out of that event for us. And we get to see it differently. And we get to change our narrative. We make a new one for ourselves. And you know, if I go back to the same old meaning that I've had my whole life from that event, I'll continue to outpicture the same old experiences, right? And if I choose to think differently about it, I get to draw new meaning from that experience. So I can go down the, oh my God, what's wrong with me? Why do these things always happen to me? I keep out picturing the same stuff over and over and over again. Or we get to choose, this is not my stuff. This was somebody else's stuff. I am free to believe something else about that event, about myself, about my life. So is it going to be old familiar patterns that keep us stuck in that monotonous regularity? Or is it going to be new thought? We have free will. We get to decide. Ernest Holmes in the Science of Mind text said this, Mind is the realm of causes. Conditions are the realm of effects. Effects flow from causes, not from themselves. Thought is the instrument of mind. New thoughts create new conditions. We must learn to think in the absolute. This means to think independently of any given or experienced effect. Judge not according to appearances, right? This thought strikes away the shackles of bondage and finds a new cause at work. When we take that moment in time to suspend our thinking, to be open to the possibilities, to stand open-handed and open-hearted in the middle of the field of all potential, we get to choose, and we get to choose again. And so what's so perfect about the science of mind and spirit and about free will? Choose wisely. Choose wisely. Choose the empowering thought the greater thought, the new thought that sets you free. Thank you.